0: Hello and welcome to the Relational Parents Podcast, where we get off autopilot and give thoughtful attention to how we interact with our children and relate to ourselves, so that you can show up in your family as the best version of yourself with a lot more joy and ease. I'm your host, Teresa Puckett, and I'm thrilled you've joined us today. As a certified positive discipline parent educator, I lead workshops based on the positive discipline approach and philosophy. Those are documented in many books that have been authored and co-authored by Dr. Jane Nelson. As parents are going through these really powerful online workshops, it's very reinforcing for them also to be reading one of the positive discipline books. This podcast is part of a series that summarizes the key concepts of the original positive discipline book that started it all. So, in this episode, we're going to talk about birth order. Three things about birth order. Number one, why do we even look at it? Number two, what are some general tendencies based on birth order? And number three, what to do with this information. So let's get started on why we even look at it. So in case you're one of the people that's skeptical and might say, you know, why do we, why do we even look at birth order? Birth order means nothing. I am who I am. You know, of course, everyone is unique and there are a lot, a lot of factors that go into making us who we are. And so this is just taking a look at one of those potential factors and recognizing that there are, of course, exceptions to all the rules, but I will offer you this way back when I was in business school, I took a human resources class that had an entire section devoted to birth order. And so they were, what they were really saying was, Hey, if you are looking to hire this kind of person with this kind of responsibilities, you might want to know if they are an only child, an oldest child, a youngest child, or a middle child. And we did a deep dive on what some of those things tended to mean. So, you know, I'm I'm not saying that there's a perfect correlation between birth order and behavior, but what I am saying is it's worth taking a look at. And as parents... I think most of us can agree that there are few things that can change the dynamics of a household like the arrival of a child. If I think about when I brought my first child home for the first time, it was almost like Wow, there was like a a part of me that didn't exist the day before that now existed. Now I had a new uh, a new role to play, a new identity to um, to play in, to to be in, if you will. And if we kind of look at that from the child's perspective, right, that new baby or new child arriving at home has. An identity that they are just starting to shape, for the first, um, for the first however long months, weeks, days, years, we as parents are the primary people that they are interacting with, or at least of one of the primary people that they're interacting with, and so they are going to be looking to us to see, hey, how do I belong? How do I feel like I belong? How do I feel love, connection, significance? All of those things we talked about in the last episode, they're looking for from us. So if we just play that out a little bit, when another child or if another child comes into the home then there's the dynamics switch all again, right? We have two to take care of and they have different needs. Well, if we look at that um, that first child, they went from being an only child to being an oldest child. And just the family dynamics change. And when we acknowledge that those change, then we can start to see, wow, this, this really affects the world of each child, where they fall in the family, the family dynamic. So it's another opportunity for us to use to get into our child's world, each of our child's worlds, if we have more than one. One thing that Jane Nelson did in the book, which really struck me and stayed with me, is she compared the family to a play and how there are different characters in the play, but everybody has a role. Everyone has a different role. Um, I loved that. And it really helped me to think about how, take that a little bit deeper even to say, okay, if we have two children and so there's, there's parents and there's two children in the family and one child has taken on the role of the good child so the the next child has a choice and the there are really three options three typical options that the child has in front of them that they can see one they can become better at being the good child and sort of overthrow the good child and take that role away or they can do something totally different and maybe be say the funny child or the athletic child or whatever which is different than the good child not in competition necessarily and the third thing is they can sort of rebel or become the opposite, be the foil for the good child. So then they're the bad child and that's a very clear path. The opposite is a very clear path typically for children and it's a way for them if they don't see themselves as being able to be as good as that is an obvious option for them to become the bad child and to fit in and belong and to get their sense of significance met in that way. So that's just very helpful for us as parents to uh, maybe watch for and not to play into. A lot of times we'll play into it with our language and with our labels and that is something that we can watch out for as parents. So I know this whole podcast is on birth order. Number two, we're going to get into general tendencies based on birth order. But this is, these are just general tendencies, just little snippets. Um, and it's just one piece of uh, of the puzzle of who any one child, any one human is. But I am going to uh, get into it a little bit. We'll start with oldest children. And... Really, these are a little bit of the stereotypes, right? The oldest child is typically very responsible. Um, They are seen oftentimes as bossy. They a lot of times get their sense of significance met by being the first because that's what they were in the birth order. So they will take that into other areas of their life. They need to be the first or the best in order to feel significant. Those are the tendencies. So for the youngest, different tendencies, they are typically very skilled at getting other people to do things for them because that is what happened for them naturally as the youngest in their families, the parents and their older siblings typically got significance by doing things for them. So that's how they got their significance, by having other people do things for them. And uh, again, that's a general tendency that they can take into other areas of their lives as they get older. So only children, very, very interesting because only children can take on the characteristics of oldest or youngest it has much more to do with the parents' expectations and the family atmosphere that the parents created for the only child. If they had high expectations and they expected their child to be more of a little adult in terms of what they were capable of, they'll have more the tendencies of an oldest child. If the parents, however, really doted on their baby because they knew it would be their only one. and they they treated it more as a, a youngest child with that doting. Then they'll develop those tendencies and take those potentially into other areas later in life. So middle children are uh, there are stereotypes about middle children. However, there's a lot more variety in the tendencies of middle children simply because there are a lot more ways to be a middle child. You could be the middle of three. You could be the second or third of four, etc. So there's lots more variables um, in the mix there. But in general, middle children are typically more easygoing than their oldest or youngest or onlys counterparts, and they tend to have a lot of empathy, particularly with underdogs. Um, And you can see they're more easygoing because they had a lot of different dynamics to deal with. They had the olders on one side, the youngers on the other side, the parents, Um, So they had a lot going on, and they developed capabilities and coping mechanisms that allowed them to be a bit more easygoing, perhaps. That's at least the stereotype. A couple of other dynamics around birth order and general tendencies I'd like to point out. I loved learning from Dr. Dreikers and Dr. Nelson that there's such a thing as being Uh, an effective oldest or an effective youngest, and that's when a child spends four years or more in one of those positions. Those four years um, allow a lot of time for them to develop certain beliefs and certain capabilities and tendencies, and if they are, uh, they're the, the only child or Even the youngest child, say, for four years, and then they get another sibling, they will have um, already developed, well developed, some of those tendencies of a younger child. Um, So I thought that was interesting. And then also, very, very important, especially for these times that we live in, blended families. In a blended family, there is. Almost almost by default, going to be one or more children that will be dethroned in their position in the family. So, um, say there's one family that has two children and one family that has one. Well, that only child is no longer going to be an only child. And depending on the, uh, the sequencing of those children, either the oldest in that family of two children or the youngest is going to have their position changed as the, the families come together and the, the, the households are combined. So that's just something to be aware of too, as parents, um, if you're, former oldest child was used to being first and used to being the best at things for a little while anyway, and now they're suddenly not the oldest, that is going to be a dynamic that takes some getting used to from them. And and they might need to feel some extra encouragement from, from the parents in order to um, smooth that out a little bit and figure out new ways to belong in new ways to be significant and really feel that um, that unconditional love so we come to the third topic what do we do with this information as parents well if we keep in mind that children are great observers but really terrible awful interpreters of what they're seeing the actions that they're seeing us take And the energy that they're feeling, they give it, they can give it very mixed up meanings. That's a great thing for us to know as we maybe rescue our kids. Oh, I can get you dressed, sweetie, whatever, you know, no problem. Come on over here. If we do things for our kids that they are capable of doing for themselves, we are actually robbing them of the opportunity to build capabilities. Capabilities that will help them to feel important, feel significant, feel like they even belong. Um, This is just, I cannot emphasize this too much because it's all over the positive discipline. Books, Rudolf Dreikers himself said, never do for a child what they can do for themselves. And if you also look at Montessori, who says, follow the child. A child should be allowed to be as independent as they can be given their phase of development. That's where it's important to look at, okay, well, if I have two children, I have an oldest and a youngest, and my oldest is going to tend to feel significant by doing better and doing first, and my youngest is going to tend to feel significant potentially by getting things done for them, then I can encourage as a parent, I can really encourage and and, uh, build a family culture that helps my youngest to feel significant for other in other ways, not because they got somebody, whether it's me or my oldest, to do things for them. I can encourage them to do things for themselves. I can um, I can take action that will encourage my oldest in ways that they see they don't have to be first. They have significance even if they're not first in their accomplishments or on the team or or whatever it is um, and and there's one thing uh, one common myth I think that I hear a lot from from parents, sometimes from grandparents from just different generations, they think, you know, oh, this kid is going to have plenty of time to do work and adjust to the cruel world. I'm going to let them take it easy and enjoy themselves now. And, and they have this mistaken notion that somehow that is serving the child to wait on them or to do something for them or to let them out of quote unquote work. That is a very, Adult centric perspective. Really, when children are so young, they have an interest in doing the things that we do. They have an interest in helping us with whatever it is we're doing, whether that is cleaning or cooking or doing laundry. They see it as important work. They want to build their capabilities. So just Keep those kinds of things in mind. That's what we can do with this information is we can look at what might be our kids misinterpretations of family dynamics that they're witnessing. How might we be playing into that and how can we encourage them so that they are finding great ways to feel significant, maybe through contributing and cooperating versus um, versus some of the uh, the less productive ways that we've talked about. So I hope that you've enjoyed this. We've taken a look at why we even consider birth order. What are the general tendencies that we can expect to see in children based only on birth order and what we can do with this information? Until next time, be well. Would you like to interact with other like-minded parents? Maybe ask them or me a question about your child If so, join the growing community of relational parents at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash relational parents.